Hey everybody, my name is Aaron Fletcher Smith, and over there is Dan Grubb. Hi. And this is the Dan and Aaron like a Rama. Music. We interrupt this broadcast to let everyone know that the aliens have landed. Uh, just outside of Washington, D.C., there's a large uh, circular spaceship that has just landed in the uh, mall between the Oval Office and uh, the, uh, um, the White House and the, the uh, Houses of Parliament and the U.S. Congress building. Uh, how it landed in between those three almost impossible things on the mall, no one is really sure of at this point. But one, one physicist is certain that a manipulation of physics is to blame. Dang anyway, it. you want to do the episode now? <laughs> well, not now. Oh, okay. Those stupid physics being manipulated. Yeah, you want to hear more about this spaceship? I'm sure I could go for another ten minutes. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds boring. Uh, <laughs> so, uh... So yes, this is part two of the uh, concept artist um, pentology quadrilogy. We'll see well, how many multiple uh, multipode. Well, clearly this yes. is just one episode of uh, a mini episode anthology, as uh, many are uh, you know uh, have led themselves to believe is the most appropriate way to refer to a multiple uh, episodes of uh, something that are uh, somewhat sequential or related to each other. So clearly, the the preferred nomenclature here is anthology. Yes, anti hollum guy. Yeah, actually, if you're going to publish. Um, a series of articles about um, how a culture came together on a landmass. Would it be an anthropology anthology? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. Anyway, so we're going to talk about Sid Mead today. Um, and if Sid it's Mead, the uh, how humans developed uh, high scale uh, retail stores. It's an anthropology anthropology. You mean an anthropology anthology? On no, anthropology? anthropology anthropology. Oh, yeah. It would be the anthropology of anthropology. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that. All right. So, All Sydney. right, then. I'll go ahead right, and then. sell that book, then. Please do. I'm writing to the publisher right now. Yeah. Cut Bye. it, print it, sell it. Uh, you can get 500 per uh, uh, per per print there. Um, I think, I don't know. What's, what's the running, um, I'm abandoning this joke mid-sentence. Um, yeah. Good. Today we're going to talk about Sid Mead. He's another one of the concept artists, um, that's part of our, uh, concept artist series. And, um, Sid Mead is, uh, I'm not going to say primarily responsible for, but he's, he's mostly, uh, responsible for the look and the feel of the um slim um uh click together and separate apart uh 1980s era um uh sleek but functional um design aesthetic um 
where you know very yes looking at these pictures sleek yeah definitely hits the top of the list along with what uh it's not pastel but it's definitely like watercolor looking yeah he actually worked with um and this is where i know this is another one that i'm gonna have to get the pronunciation on maybe a little a little fluorescence in there yeah, lots of pinks and purples. All right. So he painted with uh, gouache. It is a thicker type of acrylic. Uh, it behaves just like watercolor, but the um, the paints hold for longer as you're painting. Oh. Um, but all of his primary medium was, was gouache and, and watercolor. Um, cool. He, yeah. His his stuff is, yeah, it's sleek, but it's also very mechanical. Um, it looks yeah. efficient. All of his designs look efficient, but then they also some of the some of them have this this look where um, necessity followed function for the for the design of these uh, fantastical uh, vehicles and 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 machines that he's illustrated um his his work as a concept artist through the 70s um basically resulted in an explosion of the sid mead look and feel um in movies through the 80s and he was primarily responsible for look and feel of multiple vehicles cities and electronics in the movie blade runner which is the one that he's the most famous for. Um, The look and feel of the vehicles in the second 2001 movie, 2010, the year we make contact. Um, He was very responsible for the look and the feel of the technological aspects of the Nostromo in Aliens. Um, So all of the sleek uh, hardware in um, the first movie, Alien, and then later on in Aliens, is him. Um, a very big one uh, for him during the 80s was Tron. Oh, okay. Um, Sorry, I, it, it took me a second with Alien. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right, got it. Right. Basically, the, the action... anything that was not the Xenomorphs yeah, was him. Yeah, exactly. Was him. Right, right, exactly. Um, so he did, like, the mech suit in Aliens? The mech suit, um, the cryostasis pods, the bridge, um, cool. the, the common rooms. That was all his designs. That was all Sid Mead designs. Super cool. Um, yeah. Sorry, I didn't um, have to go ahead. No, it's fine. But, you know, having now listed all of these off, you know, now the, the, the listener can kind of put together in, in their head, you know, kind of the visual aesthetic there is sleek efficient modern yet also lived in and and uh, definitely kind of a logical follow-up to you know current design trends of the 70s and the 80s um and i i was talking over it but the last one you mentioned tron yeah i mean my god talk about like a all of them but yeah but tron really was like such a a unique this is how this looks. Nothing right. else looks like this. Yeah, a visual game changer in terms of the way that um, 
uh, special effects were were approached and 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 the, the look and the feel of the suits and of the the vehicles and yeah. stuff like that in Tron. A lot of that, that was like, CV designs. That like, what would you call that? It's it was a little bit grayscale and a little that like blue gray that yeah. uh, Jeff Bridges had. The yeah, the light cycle, the What's how it? everything seemed to be like one pixel wide. <laughs> right, right. It, it's it, it's very, very like very cool. It's very like eighties neon. It's it's basically like they took the arcade aesthetic and they just magnified yeah. it by a hundred. You know, yeah. Um, very but the, yeah. Um, very new wave. It, it, it could be yeah. if Aha kept making videos. Right. Yeah. Maybe exactly. they did. I don't know. But it, yeah, I could see them doing that. But if you're if, if you're in front of a computer or if or if you've got a phone in your hand, Google Sid Mead art, and the S-Y-D-M-E-A-D. number S Y D M E A D S Y D M E A D exactly. Thank you, Dan. You're right. Um, his when you think of if you're if you're a child of the '80s, child of the '90s, maybe even a child of the 2000s, when you think of the hypothetical concept of a future city. The, the city of the future that they would put on the cover of like Time Magazine or, or uh, the New York Times or, or if you'd see it in a children's book, 99 uh, times out of 100, the design for that city, the spiritual ancestor is a Sid Mead painting. Um, mm. his, his work was so influential in shaping what... Um, our 80s retro future was going to look like what the near future was going to look like if you're standing in the 80s and looking at 2018 or 2040 or you know 2062 um right right. it was it was all the ideas it, it was taking all of these things that had become that were technological marvels that were very quickly accepted and then just uh, kind of shrugged as part of everyone's natural lives in the eighties. You know, oh my god, the Walkman. Okay, it's a Walkman, right? Oh my god, a VHS player. Okay, everybody has a VHS player, and on and on, right? It's kind of concurrent yeah. to the rapid speed at which um, the the eighties ate up, chewed, uh, chewed, spit out, and distributed into the into suburbia um, technology. Um, the uh, the Sid Mead aesthetic is taking that and applying it uh, to the nth degree. Um, yeah. And that's the thing that's so cool about it is that when you then think about what that would result in, uh, you know, the thought space takes you to places like um, uh, Los Angeles 2049 AD and Blade Runner and, you know, the future... Uh, light cities of Tron, you know, and these very um, uh, antiseptic, he... clean white rooms in Alien. Yeah, yeah. It, antiseptic, that's a good word for it. Yeah. Did he work on Robocop? Do you know? Because some sure of this, off the top of my head. Some of this art makes me think of Robocop. Let's find out. Let's do Sydney Robocop. Let's see if he did. Or did maybe it was just. Uh, inspired by him some like you said like everything else was um so it looks it 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 doesn't really look like it's jumping out now he definitely worked on so he he was one of the folks that was involved in the design of johnny five for short circuit oh okay um i'm not sure on robot there's a movie 
that uh, doesn't hold up. No. <laughs> no disassemble. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I was thinking mostly the white guy playing an Indian guy throughout the entire oh, movie. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Maybe that... not so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> that's, that's not super that's... cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's a big, like, okay, maybe not. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I'm, hey. Right, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not sure. Recast I don't, I don't, that dude, and, I don't and, think and that, it's okay. You don't, don't think, think he worked he, on... It's not jumping out. I mean, I'm looking okay. at the Google search results right now, and it, it doesn't look like it was a thing that he was primarily Yeah, it in. probably would have been, hey, yes, he definitely did that. Right, I think so. it's more one of those where it's a spiritual successor type of deals. Yeah, um, yeah. makes sense. But yeah, um, so let's uh, we'll we'll do semi chronological, but then we're gonna jump back to the the the, the stuff that he's done um, that has had a direct impact on uh, cinema culture, and as a result, on kind of the look and feel of of. Uh, modern media um very cool yeah so i love it chronologically or or kind of pseudo chronologically um started as a concept artist for ford in the 60s uh worked as a technology illustrator for several magazines and catalogs uh through the 60s into 1970 in 1970 he starts sid mead incorporated and he contracts himself out to provide art for multiple large clients including hotels and architecture firms and technology companies. So the dude knew he had it. And yeah. and he basically started his own company and he was like, I can I can draw the future for you and and he wasn't shitting y'all. Um <laughs> his uh his resume is amazing. I, I looked at his, his, the actual website uh so sidme.com and I looked at the project history because I wanted to see where his name popped up with technology firms that we associate with 80s technology this is comes back to a conversation that you and i had before we started doing this episode um and so uh, i've got this this bulletized list uh which goes through because the the wiki generally says he worked for technology companies including sony minolta dentsu tiger corporation bandai and honda i was like well that's pretty cool but what did he do so I dug right. into uh, the his um, his uh, uh, project history on on his own site, and um, so the Tiger. I originally thought it was Tiger Electronics. It's Tiger Vacuum Bottle Company. <laughs> uh, uh, out of out I of Japan, like the thing so, where you had the two buttons. Yeah, on, like the, uh, the, yeah, the really the, crappy the, video game in the eighties. Right, and 90s. right. The little pixelized, yeah, pixel by pixel plastic toys. Nope. No, it was a hot water bottle product. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, that's 88. Uh, 1986. What an amazing hot water, water bottle. bottle it was. Exactly. Unbelievable water bottle. Exactly. Plays an 8-track <laughs> tape if you uh, turn it the right way. Um, <laughs> 86, Did he, he was one of the illustrators uh, for the advertisements for Minolta. Um, Dentsu Agency out of Osaka, Japan did promotional posters for a spaceship 2056 attraction um this is one that i didn't know and i thought this was kind of neat this this harkens back to our giant robots episode um he did a bunch of um 
uh, art over the years through uh, 80s, 90s, and going into the 2000s for Bandai and Sunrise Incorporated to create promotional art for Gundam, which I did not oh. know. And that was pretty groovy. I was like, that's cool. But that cool. makes perfect sense coming yeah. from a mechanical background. Yeah. Mechanical, uh, you know, working at Ford and places yeah. like that. It lines that's up cool. perfectly. Yeah. Um, 2004, Honda America. He does the concept design for future variations of motorcycles. And then mm. the, the other cool thing is that um, Sony is another one where his name is associated with Sony projects through the course of the 80s um, with multiple years mm. of participation in design competitions for Sony, both as a judge and as a participant. Um, oh, that's cool. Yep. And then he was also involved in some of the uh, design work for the PlayStation, uh, like doing the concept art for uh, different conceptual looks for what the PlayStation could look like. Um, oh, neat. 89, Panasonic. It does kind of fit in into that, especially the later ones has that sort yeah. of ridgy, uh, where it's like sort of the three or four, like almost like, um, almost like... Uh, Four, uh, three to four adjacent shapes that don't directly fit with each other, but have been yeah. designed in that way. Yeah, Where yeah, they, very yeah, they, aesthetic. They, like yep. stairs, like yeah. stair steps coming out. Right, right. Yeah, I was trying the, to remember. The, I was trying to remember the things that you make a roof out of, uh, like thatched roofs. <laughs> no, the little squares, no. shingles, shingles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But stair steps are are more. No, I like that more. More uh, like what it is. Anyway. Um, also, Panasonic, he, the concept design for a sport video camera, 89. And then uh, also oh, okay. 89, Apple. Um, he was involved in the concept design for the Jaguar, which was going to be Apple's entry into the video game wars, but it never got off the books. Um, Interesting. It, it never, yeah, it never actually occurred. Apple Jaguar was going to be... Uh, the, the idea was that it would be competitive to uh, the that would have been the Genesis and the uh, Super Nintendo of the time, but that never took off. Interesting. So, I've never heard of that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Go Google uh, Apple Jaguar uh, uh, project concept computer. It was supposed to be a video game uh, computer slash uh, video game console system. I thought that was pretty groovy. That's one that I knew from a while back, and, and that's one where I, I don't know how I knew it. It's just something that you know I picked up years ago. Um, I like how I, I, I looked it up, Apple Jaguar, and I clicked on images, and it's guitars. What? I thought it was a... a... It's a Fender Jaguar Candy Apple Red. Is what's oh, I up. see that. <laughs> that's funny. Apple... Apple Jaguar computer. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's fine. Yeah, now I'm now I'm stuck. So there's Mac OS X 10 Jaguar. I thought the Jaguar was their their video game console. Well, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> In which case, I will totally uh, take my L and leave. <laughs> Where was that? Apple introduces Jaguar. That's two thousand two. That's weird, because that was that was that definitely would not have lined up with two thousand two, which is what's showing up in Google. That would have been eighty nine. Ah oh, well, that's a that's a 
Google search for another day. Anyway. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll let you figure that out over the next couple of weeks, and I'll add it to the show notes. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, Maybe. We can liner notes that. <laughs> da, 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 da. Anyway, um, it was... The, the biggest thing is that... So, I've only highlighted a few of the um, uh, different companies that he provided concept art for here it's the, the list is wild for like 85 <laughs> through 92 on, on his website, which is a uh, sidmead.com S Y D M E A D. Um, but yeah, look at his project history and it's wild. How many different um, companies he's provided concept art for um, having kind of hit all of that. Let's now kind of go back and let's talk about some of the art that he's done, which has become part of the science fiction lexicon. Um, yeah. Because that's the stuff that's the coolest from from like kind of a, a touchstone perspective where you look at this stuff and you go, oh, yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> so he did a series of paintings for U.S. Steel, uh, which... I don't think they were really, they didn't really have uh, uh, titles, but they're all part yeah, of the U.S. series. Yeah. It's surprising um, that you need paintings for a steel company. Like, steel. Yeah. Make a thing. Right. What, what can you do with steel? Why invest in steel? And this is where he did this series of paintings. But the, the one that... Uh, um, I think it was Joe Johnston or um, Dennis Murin. It was the, the the special effects guys for Empire Strikes Back and, and okay. George Lucas. They really latched on to the walking, um, the four-legged walking uh, oh mechanism. Oh, my God. And you look at I, that thing. And I'm on you... Sidmeet.com, and I clicked on U.S. Steel, and the first picture, yeah, it yeah. is a headless AT-AT. It's a walker. Yeah, it's an AT-AT walker. It, it, like, clear as day. And um, Oh, my gosh. Look at that. Even, like, yeah. even the feet. Yeah. The and feet I think, and the knees and the ankles. Wow. Yeah. And I think, I think, this oh, is where, I, uh, I can't remember. I think U.S. Steel, the series predates, um, it predates, um, empire by i think 10 years or something like that mm. um i can't find the date uh but i think they're like 72 75 something like that maybe they're later okay. than that um but it was Let's definitely pre-80 yeah yeah it was or before 78 whenever they would have started doing yeah concept art when in memory of sid mead i think it's maybe no it can't be as early as can't be as early as 1961. I'm trying to fit. Well, let's let, maybe the wiki's got it. Let's do the steel. Where is the? Oh, it is 1960 to 61. Yeah. So hmm. where's that's it? Yeah. Well, I guess. Wow. That's it. So 20 years before Empire. 20 years before Empire. Yeah. He's he did doing the, he's, the AT-AT yeah. concept art. Yeah. Wow. It's freaking wild. Yeah. That's that's super cool. Yep, and then the other thing that's really cool about the U.S. Steel series is that there are so many images from that series that then you can kind of look at them 
and you can make these connections in your mind to different movies, right? So, like, there's this police recovery vehicle in U.S. Steel series that looks like the police spinner that Rick Deckard flies around with in Blade yeah, Runner. Yeah, um, There's this giant racing vehicle with huge tank treads that looks like the Tumbler from uh, Batman Begins. Uh-huh. Um, the, the, the um, yeah, it's, it's basically his art ends up having a, um, a really lasting impact on um, uh, these, you know, kind of nerd culture, uh, this community of nerd culture guys that then later on go on to become film producers, right? Uh, so it impacts, it, it impacts Lucas. Uh, later on, uh, it impacts Neil Bloomkamp, who did uh, District 9. And when he did Elysium, he reached out to uh, Sid Mead. Uh, he just... Dis- uh, Bloom Camp described himself in an, in an article as a Sid Mead fanboy, and uh, he said, "I want to live uh-huh. in the world that Sid Mead created." Um, so when he had the opportunity to do Elysium, one of the other images from the U.S. Steel series is a toroidal space colony. The idea of a giant ring uh, that's um, you know built around a planet that you you know you fill the bottom half of the ring with dirt and you fill the top half of the ring with atmosphere and then you start planting plants um sure he he did this piece well yeah conceptually it makes it it kind of makes sense it checks out uh you know the implementation (laughs) of it would be ludicrous but you know dirt air yeah okay yeah okay sure right (laughs) a little bit of grass or a little little bit of water you know i can see that working um but yeah i forgot to i forgot to uh mention i'm an eminent scientist (laughs) <laughs> right well so am i dan so you know oh, don't worry. we're both sure. professionals yeah absolutely doctor. beyond yeah captain doctor uh, uh you, you, you you know i've noticed that you know you could just keep tacking phds onto your name and no one really questions you at a certain point no never. <laughs> especially not uh like a dean's office no of course not um but so um coming back to so we talked in the last episode about um, Chesley Bonestell and um, him illustrating concepts of the future. Sid Mead, and then another one that well, another concept artist that we'll talk about, Robert McCall. Um, one of the the concepts that a bunch of them got drawn into painting and illustrating were uh, the different manifestations of space colonies, and there was this era during the. Um, early to mid 70s where nasa sagan uh folks that were kind of into space really got latched on to the idea of these ring space colonies um right and so um sid mead was one of the guys that that uh contributed to this illustrative concept robert mccall was another one um and so then you fast forward that you know this is that's 70s era um u.s steel was uh that that u.s steel art series is late 60s um you fast forward almost uh 50 years to when neil bloomkamp does uh, elysium and the dude was like i want to do that but i want to do that in film uh and i know just who to call so um you know when when they did elysium uh um Sid Mead was involved in a lot of the designs for the the rich 
uh, the the uber rich elite upper class ring city uh, that that orbited the planet Earth. Uh, a lot of those designs harken all the way back to his his own paintings from the U.S. Steel series, almost uh, 40, 50 years back. So I thought so that was really he, really neat. Considering that he had done that forty years ago, or fifty, if it was like sixty two, uh, would he? Did was he still like into it, or was he like, ugh, this again? I'm I'm done with this. Did <laughs> he move on? And he was like, no, I'm, I I do you know Zen gardens now or something. Well, it's yeah. Now it's, I do seed life. You know, it's really, know. it's really funny that you asked that because the the thing that I was really curious about that as well because I I started looking at his his project history. And then as I started reading some of the different articles where it was interviews with him, he loved this stuff. Oh, and he okay. just well, he loved living <laughs> in these worlds. And so he, um, uh, he, he loved coming back anytime. Like he, he talked, uh, he, he talked with, um, such fondness about working with Ridley Scott and about how um, there are so many concepts that him and Ridley Scott had come up with and that Meade would doodle during design meetings with Scott when they were coming up with the look and feel of Blade Runner that would have just never made it to the screen because they didn't make sense for the story. They would have made sense for a greater story universe, but they didn't make sense for the story that they had to tell around those characters. Um, Less than this number of minutes, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But... um, so yeah, um Yeah, I love the uh the sketchbook design for the uh Oh, why did I close that tab? The oh, no. uh the device that the replicant Deckard device uses. the Voight Kampf machine. Yeah. That's the one, yeah, Voight Kampf. Yeah. I absolutely love it that's because really it's really cool. Yeah. You, you know, you see it and you're like, oh yeah, that's exactly what that is. Yep. <laughs> right, is. right, right. This is a thing to measure blood pressure and temperature in a being that may or may not be an android, but has been designed to look and feel so much like a human being that it's hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you look at this device and when you start to work it backwards in your head, you're like, I guess I can understand why there would be billows and why there would be a series of lasers pointed at people's (laughs) eyes. Okay. I I can kind of point that together in my head. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing I love about that little bit of. The little bit of low tech in there. The, yeah. yeah, the the little bellows. That's great. Yeah. I, I dig it so much. Um he did um he did the cars, the 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 quote unquote the spinners um in Blade Runner, which are these these vehicles yeah. that are supposed to be able to both drive on roads and also lift up and, and fly around as hovercraft and God I'll tell you what, the the spinners had such a lasting impact on the way um, we viewed the 80s retro future um, mm. because, it, you know, he didn't directly design the 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 um, hovering DeLorean and Back to the Future, but, you know, my God, it harkens back to these spinners, which are, you know, several years before in 82. Um, and, 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 you know, um, Altered Carbon, which is... Uh, also supposed to be a cyberpunk dystopian series uh when you know when they did the the uh altered carbon on netflix um you know they borrowed directly from the same sid mead look uh it it, it's 
the sp the police spinner set a standard for what a hovering car should look like in in modern film and it's it you don't see a lot of deviation from that i'd say that the the only right. the only real deviation from that that you would see in terms of like science fiction vehicles are the the the, the virtual bubbles uh, bubble vehicles that you see in the fifth element where um they vaguely still look like taxis in police cars, but they're really these just kind of hovering bubbles. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they look like jelly now, beans. With the, um, the Blade Runner spinner design, mm -hmm. do you know, because they, were, they came out around the same time, do you know if uh, that influenced the bikes in Akira? Because the, the manga, or manga, mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know what the preferred one is these days. Right, right. Uh, that came out in the early 80s as well. So I don't know if right. that... Because they had that really distinctive... The, the motorcycles had, a, had a similar, you know, extremely, yeah. you know, detailed, mechanical, futuristic... You know, I honestly don't know. And the, the lights, the shifting of the lights in the cartoon... Yeah. Uh, similar to the Tron light bikes. I wonder, I wonder if he was an influence there. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm going to, I, I would guess that that's probably not far off the mark. Um, yeah. Because, uh, you know, Blade Runner is one of the earliest of the uh, cinematic entries into what cyberpunk would look like. And it kind of set the standard. Right. So I could definitely see, um, uh, the 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 folks working on designing Akira going, oh yeah, let's do that. You know, especially <laughs> with the bike, especially with that bike. God, that bike yeah, is yeah. so cool, man. I had it a um, a it, toy of that, does that bike. Sharp turn, yeah. And the brake light, oh yeah. That's just such a iconic shot. There's this um, there's this animated GIF that I found somewhere, and I'll have to dig for it at some point. Maybe I can, maybe we can include it in the liner notes for this episode. But um, there are so many um, animated film and TV show hat tips to um, that bike scene, the 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 break and and stop. Uh, like I was watching oh, this animated yeah. GIF, and they were going through each time that it had been referenced. And the one that had me cracking up is that there's this scene where two of the ponies and my little ponies, one is riding the other and they do that scene. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. Oh, really? Are you kidding? You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That had me giggling. But then, you know, I thought about <laughs> it and it's, you know, the, 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 the folks that are doing the, my little pony series these days are basically, you know, they grew up the same time that we grew up. So of course they were right. impacted by that. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, Let's let's go back and let's talk some more about some of the other the other um, uh, science fiction works that the, yeah, the ones yeah, yeah. that are the ones that are obvious are Blade Runner and Tron, where yeah the look and feel that he created there uh, visually cemented cyberpunk and you know it pulls from kind of the the descriptions of um, a cyberpunk future that were, you know, first cemented in place with words by William Gibson in Neuromancer and then kind of made cinema by Ridley Scott and Sid Mead and Blade Runner. Um, you know, you, you see 
basically a very similar cut copy paste aesthetic for these uh, clean antiseptic uh, space rooms, uh, places to, to work in space. In 2010, the year we make contact in both of the Aliens movies, they kind of are cut copy paste and they're kind of typical Sid Mead where everything has kind of a nice um, like gentle leather corner, but it's also polished so it curves and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, Johnny Mnemonic, he kind of goes back to the cyberpunk future look. Um, but one of the ones yeah. that I think is really neat is that um, he was one of the groups of and this is another one where you uh, we're going to have to do a separate episode on this and, and I've already got it um, uh, written down in our big board um, he did he was one of the several production illustrators on Star Trek the motion picture um, it mm. was his first feature film and some of the interiors of the living machine planet V'ger including uh, the aperture that opens to allow the Enterprise to enter the inner chamber at the heart of the V'ger spaceship were part of a set of designs that Meade uh, worked on. Um, so oh, wow. I, th I think that's really cool because it, that being his first movie, first of all, w w without going too many layers deep on this, because we've got to save this for another podcast, the <laughs> production of Star Trek The Motion Picture was a nightmare. Um, it, right. it, it's it it starts in 1975 as Star Trek Phase Two. And the idea is that they're going to recycle all the the sets and the imagery from the from the original series until they find out that it's all been destroyed. And then they have to build new sets and imagery. And then at that point, they get so invested that they turn what was going to be the TV show into the movie. We're going to do a whole other podcast episode on this. I've been building it up, hmm. um, but the um the motion picture went through three different design houses in the span of the time that the movie was being produced and Mead's design really? house is one of them um and i think it's hilarious because in the end they spent more money cycling through the three design houses than they would have if they had just signed with Industrial Light and Magic, who had just gotten finished doing Star Wars, and said, "Here's a giant paycheck." Because <laughs> that was the. Uh, I mean, I, if I might be misremembering, but yeah, right. wasn't that the idea? Was they didn't want to work with them? Yeah, we'll exactly do it ourselves. It. Yeah, well, we can yeah. handle this. Yeah, it was it was oh, hands boy. on hips. Are you kidding? You want how much money? I don't care if you just made Star Wars. We could do it for half the budget, you know. And <laughs> turns out they couldn't. <laughs> but, but so did he did his designs end up in the final movie or was it yeah. like No, his oh, designs okay. ended up in the final movie because um he was oh, tasked, yeah, you said when it when yeah. it, when it comes into the yeah, 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 yeah. Right. There's a point in the movie where the Enterprise finishes flying through the this uh, techno cloud, um, which is the, the Star Trek, the, the motion picture, ends up getting its fan nickname, Star Trek, the motionless picture, uh, from the <laughs> fact that um, you spend fucking forever traveling through these clouds. And it's all this CGI work that um, they spent too much money on and then they were in too deep by that point. Um, so right, they decided right. to put it in the movie anyway. But once you make it through the cloud and you see this giant 
technological spaceship that's been designed around the core of V'ger, that spaceship is all Sid Mead designs. And then the Sid Mead oh. designs were then made real by the, the uh, special effect houses. And so they filmed all these pans over the different, like, the body of the ship and, and the struts, these giant struts that were supposed to be far larger than the Enterprise. And it's really unfortunate because there's not a lot of visual context that's given for just how big the V'ger spaceship is supposed to be compared to the the Enterprise. There yeah. are these great lines in the movie. Like, there's this great line where McCoy and, and, and Spock are standing on the bridge and they, they, say, they say something along the lines of, like, you know... It, it, it could, uh, you know, hold a, a crew of uh, thousands or millions, you know, and then Bones says something like, yeah, or a crew of hundreds that are all a thousand feet tall. And it's it's great because, yeah. it's you know, it, it, it establishes that this thing is so big that they don't even have a metric for kind of measuring how big it is. Um, right, right. Yeah, it's like but, in the, uh, to, to parallel it with... Uh, if if you're not a Star Trek head, if you're a Marvel head, um, the collector, Benicio del Toro's character, lives in the head. His like giant thing is a head of a uh, celestial. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. And it's like that's how big these things are. Is this, you know, moon is just a head of one of them. Yeah, I had totally forgotten about that. Yeah, there's um actually that's another thing that I'm kind of excited about is that some there was some leaked footage or maybe it was part of the trailer or something like that for the Eternals, and they briefly show one of the Celestials in the in the Eternals. Yeah, trailer. yeah, yeah. It was in the and, uh, it was in the uh, the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh, oh my god! I just learned about Celestials about two years ago from uh, <laughs> either you or another Marvel buddy, and I I. I obsessed and i went down the marvel wiki hole on the celestials i was like this is so cool oh, i love this idea yeah but yeah, yeah it's pretty neat but yeah the 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 thing that's hard though this is one of the things that so this parallels what we were talking about the thing that's hard with the celestials which is similarly hard with V'ger, is to suggest giant size something that's so giant that you cannot wrap your head around how giant it is and yeah. yet then to turn around and film it. Um, right, right. And this is one of the biggest failings of, of Star Trek, the motion picture is that Sid Mead's designs, um, when they're fully lit and you look at some of these sets for the V'ger spaceship, it's like, Oh my God, this is beautiful. How ridiculously ornate it is. And it's all very symmetrical and it's all very parallel and stuff like that. But you don't see almost any of it in the movie um, because mm. it's like cut so that they so that these great grand images fit on the bridge monitor it's very disappointing um but i think one of the best you know to go to the to the rival uh yeah i think one of the best uses of showing scale was in i guess it is it return of the jedi where you know for three movies for two and a half movies you've seen you know, a TIE fighter or the Millennium Falcon enter mm-hmm. a, a Star Destroyer. Right, right. And then at this big epic battle, they they blow one up and you see this enormous ship crash into the even more enormous ship. And yeah. then it cuts, it zooms out, 
and you see, oh, that's just a little part. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's, that's how big that is. Yeah, Got that's it. an amazing scene. <laughs> yeah, where the stupid Star Destroyer careens into the Death Star. And to do it, they just filmed this, like, they just built this techno surface and they crashed. Yeah, yeah, what yeah, a scene. Yeah, you're like, oh, that's big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that comes back to another thing that you and I talked about, which is uh, I got to do an episode on scale because I love that stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we talked about V'ger. We talked about the Adat Walker. We talked about the spinners and the, the, the future cars in Blade Runner. Um, we talked about Elysium and the, the, uh, the toroidal space colony. Um, the, the, the other thing that just in general that um, Mead had an impact on was car design. Um, and yeah, that seemed to be like a, kind of his bread and butter. Yeah, and, and it's all through was... the course of his project history and you know it's it's echoed in the work that he did in blade runner um his concept car uh paintings um god they they directly and indirectly fed so many of the designs for vehicles uh, concept cars through the 80s and the 90s uh all of the the cars where it's like you know, it, it, it's shaped like a jelly bean right up until the point where there's these like louvered squares on the side and stuff like that. <laughs> All of that ties back to Sid Mead works, especially to that U.S. Steel series. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Man, um, yeah, if you if you're listening, uh, if you haven't done it at this point, hmm. just go to SidMead.com and click on gallery and just yeah. scroll through these paintings of his from the yeah, and, 60s 70s 80s it's and lose it's yourself really something <laughs> yeah yeah it really yeah. is it's amazing it, it is it is just mind-blowing the stuff that um because the, the thing is it's like the longer you look at this stuff the longer you go oh yeah that looks like the vehicle in this or you know oh yeah that looks like the um the car in that you know et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It is or wild, just, or just to get lost in the detail of it, the mm-hmm. seeing the mechanical detail. Oh, I, I see. It's it has to be articulated that way because that's how it would, you know, bend, or yeah. that's where it would absorb the shock, or you know, it's yeah. ugh, it's really, that's, really, really good stuff. That's that's the part that I also absolutely love is that once once you get past the initial wow factor of looking at his designs and you start looking at the plausibility of the things that he's drawn into these images you start going oh he's thought all of this out he's thought out this entire room from an ergonomics perspective and from a you know human usability and human interface perspective he is a concept artist not just of like you know my god wouldn't it be cool to fly in a ufo he's like (sighs) okay but you have to once you get on the ufo you you know you better be able to reach the thrust dial you know Um, yeah and it's it's sort of like the opposite of like smartphones smartphones Mm -hmm. are very here's your rectangle and I don't want to see anything except a rectangle. It's just, a, right. all I want to know is it's a shiny rectangle. But right. this is, you. it's like a, it's like its own blueprint. You yeah. can look at it and you see, ah, this goes to that and that's how it does that and you do this to make it do this. Okay, got it. 
And that's actually, that's a good point that you make because that's actually one of the really cool things that's occurred in, in science fiction design since the arrival of the iPhone is that uh-huh. there's been, um, and I can't remember which movie it was now. Uh, I think it, I think it's, hold on one second here. Is it a driving Miss Daisy? It, that's exactly it, Tom. Yeah, that's it. So, um, no, what movie? Yeah, uh, um, my, my brain got derailed for a half second there. There we go. I got it now. Um, Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, uh, no, it, um, at some point, uh, science fiction design for modern technology and modern vehicles pivots from the Sid Mead aesthetic to essentially like the Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, iPhone uh, uh, aesthetic. And I think Mm. that's really interesting because if you look at, for example, the Tom Cruise movie Oblivion, which is from 2013, or you look at Will Smith's iRobot, these movies suggest a very different look to the science fiction future where everything is much more polished and much more clean and all of the um all more of the pixar looking yeah everything all of the curves have been rounded off and instead of mm. instead of where um in the world of sid mead where every panel has a function instead yeah. now you have the science fiction films following the iPhone design and saying, you know what, this single screen is going to be responsible for controlling 800,000 things, you know, and (laughs) I think that's really neat. You know, I think that's really cool. Um, Why that is and who the other uh, concept artist is uh, that causes that change. I'm going to have to go do some digging on that because now I've, now I've got that stuck in the back of my head. Uh, I gotta <laughs> figure got that, that out. In your ear. Yeah, I got the cool. bug in my ear. Yeah. So that's that's my episode on Sid Mead. Um, I just like I want to close this out by basically saying, um, if you're listening to this while you're driving, or 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 if you're bored and you have your phone available, uh, pause the episode and and just spend ten minutes looking at uh, the Google search results for Sid Mead. It, it is yeah. It is a visual feast. And, and his stuff, I, I, every two to three years, I'll post on Twitter or on Facebook, I'll post the same thing. I just write, I want to live in Sid Mead's world. And it, <laughs> is, it is never a lie. It is always true. I look at these interiors that he's drawn, these ships he's drawn, this future he's created, and I'm like, yeah, you know, it might be dystopian, uh, yeah, you know, there's probably, you know, the idea is that he's multiplying and magnifying the disparities between the upper class and the lower class by a thousand. But gee whiz, to see some of these gizmos, man, I think it would be so cool. So, yeah. 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 I mean, the, the design of Blade Runner is just so... It's, it's building the future on the foundation of the 80s like they didn't tear down the 80s it's still down there right if you're 
if you're in the office, the fan, the giant brown office building where he does the Voight Kampf test, mm-hmm. it, oh, it's all very shiny and sleek and mm-hmm. aerodynamic. Oh, very cool. And then he goes to the, you know, he, he drives around and pulls over to the food truck. And right. it's like, oh, it's dirty and grimy and smoggy and gross. Okay, yes. Right. It's still, <laughs> yeah. got it. It's still L.A. <laughs> right. The Yeah, the, the 80s are still there. It's just if you're rich enough, the, 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 the rich have literally built themselves up into the higher yeah. echelons of this city world. Um, yeah. And that also set a standard for a lot of the way that cyberpunk looks. Um, you know, you see yeah. that in The Matrix. You see that in Johnny Mnemonic. You see that yeah. in... Um, Fifth Element. Fifth Element. Yeah, exactly. Just it becomes... That, like, it's just piled up. We yeah. <laughs> they didn't They didn't clean anything. They didn't clear anything. It's just, oh, just put it on top. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll get to it later. <laughs> right, right, right. You know where else you see it, which is fantastic? You see it in a Wally, uh, the Pixar movie Wally. Sure, they do that yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, I love that for that. Definitely. Yeah. All right, so that's that's my episode on Sid Mead. I like it. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I yeah, you know, I'll say it again. I really wish I could live in in Sid Mead's world, man. Uh, talk about a <laughs> talk about a, another future, man. It's just or at least be a tourist there for a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. Maybe nice maybe pla- nice place to around. visit, but you don't want to live there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'd leave when the xenomorphs show up. I, yeah, I think that's where my breakpoint <laughs> yeah. would be. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, cool, Aaron. That was yeah. that was a lot of cool stuff. And Thank uh, you, sir. I mean, I know I'm getting a feast in my eyeballs. Good. So, uh, yeah. Why don't you uh, close this out with? that uh officially licensed Lyco Rama theme music. And that's it. 